In a world where uncertainty reigns supreme, where shadows of chaos dance at every turn, one truth emerges unyielding. Preparation is not a luxury, but a lifeline. Behold the Wellness Company, a beacon of readiness amidst the tempestuous seas of fate. Envision a sanctuary of tranquility, where the tumult of unforeseen medical crises finds no purchase. The Wellness Company's Medical Emergency Kit stands as a bastion of assurance, a fortress of resilience against the unseen foes of health. Within its sacred confines lie the tools of salvation. Ivermectin, to ward off the insidious whispers of disease. Emergency antibiotics, to quell the raging storms of infection. Antivirals, to vanquish the relentless tides of contagion and more. The Wellness Company Medical Emergency Kit is not merely a collection of supplies. It is the embodiment of preparedness itself. Crafted by the hands of esteemed healers led by luminaries such as Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. James Thorpe, Dr. Harvey Risch, and Dr. Drew Pinsky, this kit stands as the pinnacle of safety, the zenith of prevention. These truth-seeking doctors have forged a testament to vigilance, a testament to the unwavering pursuit of well-being. Embrace the certainty that comes from being armed against adversity. Embrace the Wellness Company, for in its embrace lies the promise of resilience, the promise of a brighter tomorrow amidst the chaos of today. Don't wait for the next crisis to strike. Visit twc.health forward slash strange planet and use promo code strange planet for an exclusive 10% discount. Prepare today and rest easy tomorrow. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. On this episode, investigating the deep state's role in the assassinations of Bobby Kennedy and Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. The man who allegedly stalked and killed the nation's most powerful and influential civil rights leader and eluded the police for two months when he easily could have gotten away scot-free left behind his fingerprints and engraved prison ID on his radio, not only for his identity to be immediately known, but also to make his conviction, if caught, almost a certainty. If you're a fan of this podcast or my weekly radio program, The Conspiracy Show, or my YouTube channel, Strange Planet, I hope you'll consider becoming an official donor. A donation of $50 a month places you in the star chamber, $20 a month is the whistleblower tier, and a donation of just $10 per month makes you a truth seeker. Star Chamber and whistleblower members can participate in an exclusive monthly online chat or video conference with me, and all donors are entered into a monthly draw for Strange Planet merchandise. Any monthly amount is welcome and greatly appreciated. To become an official donor, go to patreon.com forward slash strange planet patreon.com forward slash strange planet conspiracy unlimited with richard serrett pursuing the truth wherever it leads exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs, here's Richard Serrett. Welcome to your Wednesday. Stephen Harris returns for another episode in our ongoing series on America's secret history. This time around, we delve into the shadowy figures behind the supposed gunman responsible for the murders of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and Democratic presidential hopeful Robert F. Kennedy. 
Stephen Harris is the author of America's Secret History, How the Deep State, the Fed, the JFK, MLK, and RFK assassinations, and much more led to Donald Trump's presidency. Hey, Steve, welcome back to Conspiracy Unlimited. How are you? As usual, it's great to be back here, Richard, and I'm, I'm great. I have to be honest, I've lost count where we are in our series. I think this is a number four or five, maybe even number six. I think it's number five, but you could be right about number six, but I don't think number four. Okay, <laughs> but today we've worked our way up to the very tumultuous 1960s. The last time you were on, we talked about JFK and the spring and summer of 1968 in the United States, really just horribly tragic. We begin in April, April the 4th, and civil rights leader, Christian pastor, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., shot dead in Memphis. So let's talk about the deep state's role in his assassination. First of all, let me say that I think that these two, MLK and RFK, are the most significant, forgetting about the, the loss of, of, of human life, are the most significant um, assassinations in the history of the country, simply because, as America's secret history shows, they, the, the two uh, presumed alleged killers were not the ones who committed the crimes. America's secret history conclusively proves that both James Earl Ray did not kill Martin Luther King Jr. and Sirhan B. Sirhan did not kill Senator Robert Kennedy. And so these two deaths are not conspiracy theories. They are conspiracy reels. And that is, to me, the, the most significant uh, thing. You see, the thing is, the deep state could not possibly go, just like they couldn't with JFK, they could not go with another possible 16 years of a Kennedy in the White House, eight years of Robert Kennedy, and then pro probably eight years of Ted Kennedy. And uh, so back at, and in 68, they had the Vietnam War, which both Bobby and Martin would have completely been against and did do everything to stop it. And they needed Richard Nixon to do what the New York Times coined in 1971, uh, Nixon shock of completely removing the gold standard from America's currency, completely making uh, the dollar worthless. And that was very important because uh, as we'll see in I'm sure future, uh, interviews, to have the dollar worthless was one of the most important things to the deep state because the purpose of the deep state, as we've covered, is uh, power and wealth, to completely absorb 100% of the Earth's wealth, and that gives them 100% of the, of the world's power, a power over the world. And uh, so to remove uh, Senator Kennedy from becoming president of the United States uh, was extremely important to them in 1968. And Martin Luther King would have been an extremely important ally that possibly, probably would have beaten Richard Nixon. And the other part of the deep state, FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover, since approximately 1962, hated Martin Luther King Jr. And again, it's proven not only in America's Secret History, it's proven in other volumes as well. J. Edgar Hoover and the FBI hated King and did everything possible for the five years prior to King's death to, to get him down to kill him. And so that was the deep state's complicity and America's secret history lays it out in a timeline beautifully. And let's not forget the FBI's COINTELPRO campaign against Dr. King. I think it was November 64, the FBI sent an anonymous package 
containing a tape recording allegedly of King's sexual indiscretions. Uh, That tape was sent to King's wife, Coretta. Uh, The letter, as understood by Dr. King, was advocating that he kill himself. And this all came out, I think, in uh, 1971 or thereabouts. Classified documents were obtained when a local FBI office in Pennsylvania was burglarized, and part of those documents revealed this COINTELPRO operation by the FBI. The FBI, headed by J. Edgar Hoover, uh, as you just said, complete, tried completely to demoralize him. To um, They did everything possible to get King out of the public eye. And in 1968, uh, they finally succeeded uh, because, as you'll find out, the FBI was complicit with the Memphis Police Department and uh, agencies of the United States government to kill him and to cover it up. Um, and uh, that, uh, so, so J. Edgar Hoover uh, finally succeeded. But yes, uh, their hatred of King was quite evident, not so much in the public eye from 63, 62 or 63 to 68, but so many papers, as you pointed out, letters, etc., that have come out since show that that uh, the FBI just hated him. I, I wonder if the FBI and the deep state might have left Dr. King alone had he continued to focus his his energies on, on civil rights and economic equality. So the, the Memphis sanitation worker strike, which is what brought King to Memphis in the first place, as long as he had limited his work to addressing those kinds of issues and his what he called the, the poor people's campaign. But then, exactly one year prior to his assassination, right to the day, April 4th, 1967, he, he delivers that, that seminal speech at uh, the Riverside Church in New York City condemning the Vietnam War. He said there was a, a moral imperative for the United States to take radical steps to halt the war through nonviolent means. Do you think that speech may have been his death sentence? Yeah, I mean, you could be right. I just know that because Robert F. Kennedy and Hubert Humphrey, uh, who was the leading Democratic candidate at the time, although Kennedy was fairly certain that at the convention he would overtake uh, Humphrey, I believe that the real backing to King's death was to keep the black vote away from preventing Richard Nixon from becoming president. Richard Nixon in 1968, as much as the deep state wanted him out uh, with Watergate in 1974, in 1968, the deep state deeply needed Richard Nixon to be president. And Martin Luther would have certainly been, if Kennedy was dead, Martin Luther, if he decided to put his weight, which he probably would have, behind Hubert Humphrey. You never know that that weight, Nixon won by a half million votes. You never know. King could have taken those half million and um, turned it into a Humphrey victory. So I believe, gut feeling, that, that that was the primary reason. But you could be right. Let's talk about the assassin, uh, according to the official narrative, James Earl Ray. Supposing he was a patsy, and I believe he was. So he pleads guilty. He waives his right to a trial. Not only is there no trial, there's no... Warren-type commission to investigate the crime. So why did the deep state choose James Earl Ray to take the fall? Well, yeah, he, he, was, he was an easy patsy. 
you have to remember, by the time 1968 came along, the deep state uh, had uh, about 75 years under their belt of knowing how to to control the American public and how to make uh, uh, um, victims look like um, uh, even worse victims. Uh, John Wilkes Booth, yes, John Wilkes Booth certainly killed Abraham Lincoln, but he didn't do it for the reasons that were uh, uh, that were given. Um, uh, Lee Harvey Oswald, Lee Harvey Oswald even if he pulled the trigger, which he probably didn't, was just a patsy. They knew how to use these patsies. And James Earl Ray and Sirhan B. Sirhan, as, as we'll get to, James Earl Ray was a patsy. He was a petty cr criminal. Um, he bought the gun that killed uh, King. He bought the car, the getaway car, uh, that the real killer got away in. Um, and uh, his fingerprints were left on the rifle, uh, to, uh, James R. Ray's fingerprints were left on the rifle for uh, uh, to be able to pull off a conviction. He was a patsy. Um, and they used Sirhan B. Sirhan in exactly the same way, a patsy. Um, and uh, the deep state, um, you know, they've gotten quite um, uh, depth at it. I mean, they are good. So we're led to believe that Ray, working alone, fires a single shot from a high-velocity rifle, which kills King uh, as he stood on the balcony at the Lorraine Motel. And then, but Ray claims he heard on the radio police were seeking a man of his description traveling in the same type of car he was driving, a, a white Ford Mustang. He'd been near the motel shortly before the murder, but maintains he was entirely innocent of the crime. He dumps the Mustang. He makes his way by train and bus across the Canadian border to Toronto. He arrives uh, here a couple days later. He gets a copy of a birth certificate of a Canadian citizen, which he uses to obtain a Canadian passport. In May, he takes a flight from Toronto to Heathrow Airport in London, and then a few hours after that, he flies to Lisbon, which leaves me to wonder, where does this petty criminal have the wherewithal and the money to do all of that, which which leads me to suspect, as, as it does to many, that he was simply a small cog in this wider conspiracy. And maybe he realized too late he'd been set up to, to, to let the main conspirators get away. Well, let me read you a little passage uh, uh, from the book. Muhammad Atta takes down the World Trade Center towers in a hijacked plane but somehow miraculously leaves his, pa his passport on the ground below and his suitcase is left behind in Boston containing maps and other terrorist paraphernalia. Sirhan B. Sirhan conveniently carries an anti-Robert F. Kennedy newspaper article in his shirt pocket as he's wrestled to the ground after allegedly killing Robert F. Kennedy. Petty criminal James Earl Ray manages to elude the Memphis police Leaving the country with perfectly forged documents and passports, he remains at large for two months, unluckily being picked from a security checkpoint at Heathrow Airport in England because the alias on his passport just happened to be included on a Royal Canadian watch list. If the security guard had not noticed this, Ray presumably would have gone free for a lifetime. Yet what did he allegedly do? What did this man who had the wits, the skill, 
and apparently a heck of a lot of money to pull off his nearly perfect crime do? Instead of taking the rifle into the Mustang with him and ditching it afterwards, or at least quickly wiping it clean, he left his identity behind. The man who allegedly stalked and killed the nation's most powerful and influential civil rights leader and eluded the police for two months when he easily could have gotten away scot-free, left behind his fingerprints and and engraved prison ID on his radio, not only for his identity to to be immediately known, but also to make his conviction, if caught, almost a certainty. And then you have uh, Lee Harvey Oswald, who actually allegedly and presumably shot from six floors below to uh, uh, killing JFK. He puts the rifle down with his fingerprints all over it, doesn't take a few seconds to wipe those fingerprints off, and then vanishes. I mean, this is, Richard, this is just a, um, a deep state landscape that cannot go unnoticed or should not go unnoticed. Right. You know what's interesting, too, is in these high-profile political assassinations, the assailant is either shot dead shortly after committing the, the alleged crime or they plead guilty and there's no trial. Lee Harvey Oswald, of course, was uh, taken out before a trial. You had James Earl Ray pled guilty because he, he was told that if he pled guilty, he could avoid uh, the death penalty. That's Even- the key. That's why so many people in the last decades have been sent to jail. Exactly. You die or you uh, plead guilty and you go to prison. Right, right. There's, there's rarely ever a trial. Mark David Chapman was originally going to plead innocent by virtue of insanity, but then at the last minute pled guilty, so there was no trial. Sirhan Sirhan originally pled guilty or confessed. The judge refused his guilty plea and there was a trial, Uh, but it was such an incompetent defense mounted by his attorney, Grant Cooper. I think a five-year-old could have got Sirhan acquitted. He did. Yeah. The other interesting thing quickly about James Earl Ray was almost exactly one year earlier, April 1967, he miraculously escapes from uh, prison in Missouri, I think, for uh, he was convicted of armed robbery. Any evidence that he was aided and abetted by the deep state to get out? They, In other words, they chose him. He was handpicked. They chose him to be the fall guy, so they needed him out of prison. There is no evidence that I found, so it's not in the book. As uh, uh, as I've said many times, only uh, um, facts that I could verify are in the book. So no, I could not prove that, but I believe it. Um, same thing with Lee Harvey Oswald. Uh, he was definitely, without a doubt, as far as I'm concerned, recruited uh, uh, by the FBI, possibly the CIA. Um, but again, no real proof, so it's you know, so it's not in the book. But yeah, I, I'm I'm right there with you. Uh, he wouldn't surprise me in the least. More of my conversation with Stephen Harris when Conspiracy Unlimited returns. Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. 
I use Life Change Tea from Get The Tea every morning and it's made such a huge difference in my life. Buy a one-year supply of Super Strength Life Change Tea and start feeling rejuvenated right now. Life Change Tea is not the same tea you buy in a store off the shelf. Life Change Tea from Get The Tea has eight powerful herbs blended together to maximize your health. This tea is specially formulated to help cleanse your kidneys, liver, colon, and blood all at once. The colon is one of the most ignored organs in the human body. The faster that waste is eliminated from the body, the less time that waste sits in our intestines, spreading toxins to our bloodstream. The benefits of this product go way beyond what I've listed here. Do your research and start your day with a cool, refreshing 16-ounce glass of Super Strength Life Change Tea. It's non-GMO, organic, caffeine-free, and again, not available in any store. Use the code UNLIMITED and all your orders ship for free. So go on, get your tea from getthetea.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to treat, cure, or diagnose any disease. If you have a medical concern, please contact your healthcare provider. The truth goes through three stages. First, it is ridiculed. Then, it is violently opposed. Finally, it is accepted as self-evident. Let me just read that again. I don't know what that means. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Stephen Harris, the author of America's Secret History, is here. So we move to June 5th, 1968. 42-year-old junior senator from New York, Bobby Kennedy, has just been declared the winner in the South Dakota and California 1968 Democratic Party presidential primaries. He's speaking to journalists and campaign workers at a live televised celebration from the stage of his headquarters at the Ambassador Hotel. Shortly after leaving the podium, he exits through a kitchen hallway and he is mortally wounded by multiple shots fired from a handgun. Uh, Bobby was shot, uh, I think, three times, once in the head, twice in the back. I think there was another bullet that passed through his jacket. And the assailant was supposedly this young 24-year-old Palestinian, Sirhan Sirhan, who fired a 22 caliber Ivor Johnson revolver. He, he initially confessed and, and pled guilty and he even asked to be executed, but uh, the, the judge, Herbert Walker, uh, denied the motion and said the court will not accept the plea. And then a lengthy um, trial proceeded. But why did the deep state specifically want Bobby Kennedy dead? Well, it's, it's, it's basically what I said before, Richard. Um, uh, Bobby Kennedy in the White House in 1968 uh, would have almost certainly have brought 16 years of Kennedys in the White House, eight years of uh, uh, Bobby Kennedy and eight years of Ted Kennedy. Uh, and they couldn't do that. But even more important, they didn't want to do that. But even more importantly was the Vietnam War. The Vietnam War, at the time, the deep state still felt that they would take Southeast Asia. Southeast Asia to them at the time was like the Middle East to the deep state in the 90s and 2000s. A, a, a portion of the world that they had to control, both in terms of power and wealth. And they still felt that if they uh, um, got Vietnam, Laos, Cambodia, Thailand, uh, that they would have uh, enough power in Asia to, uh, to control China uh, and possibly Russia. And that was utmost in their minds. And they knew that if Senator Kennedy was elected president, 
that within a year or two, uh, the war would have been over. The United States would have withdrawn. Senator Kennedy would not have given a damn what uh, Russia or the rest of the world felt was a was a retreat. Um, he just wanted us out. Period. End of discussion. I mean, it, it, that that's. Uh, I mean, you can't even argue it. It's um, it's everything that Senator Kennedy said, uh, campaigning from 1966 or so, and up. Um, and the deep state couldn't couldn't take that. I mean, there was no way Senator Kennedy was going to be president of the United States. And with King and Kennedy, and then combined with Humphrey's forces, um, and, uh, oh, I can't think of his name now, but the peace uh, uh, party, McCarthy. McGovern. Uh, McGovern. McGovern, but- I'm sorry. Thank you. Uh, they would have, I think it would have been almost a landslide. Plus the fact, as I said before, uh, uh um, taking gold completely away from the dollar was utmost in their minds because without gold backing the dollar, with the Federal Reserve being able to issue billions and trillions of dollars worth of worthless money, it completely aided the wealthy and was totally against the poor, the middle class, and the lower upper class. And that is what they needed uh, to attain what they're attaining right now is complete control of the world's wealth. And so there was just no way Bobby Kennedy was going to be president. No way. How much uh, of his murder was motivated by concern that he was going to reopen the investigation of his brother's death, the JFK assassination? That certainly entered into it. There's no doubt about it. They knew Kennedy, I don't have it in front of me, but Kennedy made two statements, one public, one private, uh, where he clearly stated that if given the, and and of course I'm paraphrasing, if given the opportunity, he would most certainly open up the investigation, throw the Warren Commission out and, and open up the investigation. And if he had done that, there's a very good chance, knowing what we know today, there's a very good chance that he would have at least almost conclusively, if conclusively proven, that uh, uh, that Lee Harvey Oswald had nothing to do or almost nothing to do with the assassination and uh, that it was the uh, uh, United States government, the CIA and uh, uh, U.S. agencies that uh, committed the assassination was it the and s- covered it up. Was it the same group, essentially, that uh, took Bobby out, that the same people involved in JFK's assassination? Definitely. It, it, it was the FBI, the CIA, U.S. Armed Forces. What we didn't cover was that it was conclusively proven in that 1999 trial, uh, Richard. A civil court conclusively proved uh, six black people and six whites uh, convicted the United States government and a man named Lloyd Jowers in the murder and cover-up of the Martin Luther King assassination. And there's almost no doubt about it that RFK was killed by the same forces that killed his brother, JFK, and that killed Martin Luther King. There's just no way. I mean, it was a perfect crime. As we'll see, the entire world believed, to this day, believes that Sirhan B. Sirhan killed Robert Kennedy. And it is conclusively proven that he had nothing to do with the murder except for providing a way for the real killer to kill Kennedy. 
because all the attention, of course, was on a man who jumped in front of Kennedy, starting to uh, shoot at him and everyone tackling him to the floor. And, and, and so in the fracas, the real killer. And as I said, I'll say it again, America's secret history conclusively proves that the real killer uh, was not Sirhan while he was being tackled to the floor, but the real killer who was behind Bobby killing him with three bullets. It has been suggested that the real shooter was uh, someone named Thane Eugene Cesar that was standing behind Bobby Kennedy because there were, in fact, there were powder burns on the back of Kennedy's uh, head, back behind his ear, which indicates that the he was shot from behind at, at point-blank range. Do you come to the same conclusion that the shooter was Thane Eugene Cesar? Well, what I say in the book is is roughly there that it, it appears that, that no one else could have done it other than Cesar. It is true that in years afterwards, Cesar did take a lie detector test, and that lie detector test clearly showed that he did not commit the murder. However, it is also clearly known that CIA operatives are, have been uh, trained for years to be able to beat lie detector tests, and that is one of the reasons why lie detector tests are not allowable in murder trials. Um, but all the evidence clearly shows that, that he was probably the only one. He was leading Bobby through the pantry of the Ambassador Hotel, holding on to Bobby's right arm with his left arm. And the three bullets that Thomas Noguchi's autopsy report clearly shows were the bullets that hit Kennedy and killed Kennedy were two under the under Bobby's right armpit, and remember, that's the arm that Cesar was holding, um, in an upward trajector trajectory at point blank, point blank range. Point blank means touching to no more than an inch from the skin. Two shots were fired on the Bobby's right armpit into uh, in an upward trajectory into Bobby's body. But the fatal blow was behind Bobby's right ear. Again, remember the right side, which is what Cesar was holding on to Bobby. Behind Bobby's right ear, again, point blank range in an upward trajectory into his head, and that was the fatal uh, bullet. Uh, Thomas Noguchi's autopsy report clearly shows this. Uh, and it should also be noted that both the defense, Sirhan's defense and the prosecution not only had Noguchi's autopsy report in front of them, but also all of the 12 eyewitnesses, all of their testimony, clearly showing that Sirhan never got closer than a foot and a half in front of Bobby Kennedy. So both the defense and the prosecution knew that there was no way that Sirhan B. Sirhan could possibly have fired three point-blank shots from behind Bobby in an upward trajectory under his right armpit and his right ear. And that is even one of the biggest points to this. Not so much that the conspiracy theory is no longer a conspiracy theory, but a conspiracy real but that the United States prosecution, prosecutor, prosecuted Sirhan knowing this, and that Sirhan's defense 
who was sworn to uphold a defendant's rights to, to defend him or her to the best of their ability, they knew that Sirhan was innocent and they allowed Sirhan to go to jail for life. And so the Sirhan conviction holds so many significant facts to it that it, that every conspiracy theorist should really latch on to because it really shows what the United States government does. That's a, another common thread with the MLK and RFK murders is the is the sloppy defense, not sloppy, incompetent defense. You had uh, James Earl Ray's lawyer, Percy Foreman, and Sir Han's lawyer, Grant Cooper. I would think a five-year-old could have gotten either of those gentlemen <laughs> acquitted. Well, I, I mean, every American should ask, why didn't the defense put Thomas Noguchi, the probably America's most infamous coroner, on the stand and say, can you say from your autopsy report that the eyewitnesses who said that Sirhan never got closer than a foot and a half in front of Bobby, can you tell us that Sirhan, from your autopsy report, could have killed Senator Kennedy? That's something that every American should ask themselves, but even more important, the prosecution. Why did they prosecute Sirhan v. Sirhan? when they knew that there was no way he did it. And another thing that every American should realize is that the California Parole Department, for the 16th time, 1-6, 16th time a couple of years ago, refused to parole Sirhan, knowing because they were presented with all this evidence at the 16th parole hearing, that they refused Sirhan's parole with the reason that Sirhan shows no remorse for his killing. And yet they had they were presented with Paul Schrade's. Paul Schrade was one of the injured five injured people at the at the Bobby Kennedy assassination. He was one of the five injured people that Sirhan uh, shot and he almost died. And Paul Schrade gave an impassioned plea presenting all of this evidence that Sirhan could not possibly have killed Senator Kennedy. And yet the parole department, instead of giving him a new trial, refused parole on the basis that he, that Sirhan did not show remorse. Look at that, think of the deep state, and you'll, you'll understand everything. Robert Kennedy Jr. has also visited Sirhan Sirhan in prison in, I guess, in the last year and a half, and uh, I think has come to a similar conclusion. Yes, it's just an incredible, just an incredible thing that 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 Sirhan was brought to trial in the first place for murder. He should have been brought to trial for attempted murder, no doubt about it. He injured five people and he almost killed Paul Schrade, but he did not kill Bobby Kennedy, and so he should not have been brought to trial for murder. And yet he was, and his defense didn't defend him properly. To my knowledge, this is uh, also one of the first high profile assassinations involving the possible use of mind control. It seems as if Sirhan Sirhan was perhaps drugged, whether that was by the uh, the lady in the polka dot dress with the, uh, the big coffee urn that Sirhan remembers. And Sirhan was at a firing range the day before June the 4th. He remembers thinking that he was firing at a target when he shot at Bobby Kennedy. Is it possible that he was programmed or conditioned to think that he was at a firing range. 
So I'm wondering, is this the first time that mind control techniques and drugs may have been used in the commission of one of these deep state assassinations? I doubt it, but I, I couldn't prove anything. And, and so it's not in America's secret history. But I doubt that it was the first time. But whether it was the first or even the last, which I'm sure it wasn't, there's almost no way Sirhan wasn't um, in some way drugged, mind controlled, whatever, with a newspaper clipping stuck in his uh, shirt pocket showing that uh, uh, he hated Kennedy because Kennedy was anti-Palestinian. There's just almost no way, but I couldn't prove it. So it's not in, in the book. All right. Well, how do we get a copy of America's Secret History? Your local bookstore, Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, BooksAmillion.com, Powell's.com, and many others. They all have it. Where are we going to head next time, Stephen? I'd love to go with uh, 9-11 because, again, America's Secret History scientifically proves that the Twin Towers and Tower 7 was not brought down by the planes or the ensuing fires, but by controlled demolition, scientifically proven. All right. Until then, it's a date. Thank you, Stephen. I'm there, Richard. Thank you very much. Okay, before I dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs, I'll be back on the other side to tell you a little bit about an upcoming episode. One tablespoon of ESS-60 from C60 Evo helps keep me pain-free, energized, and mentally focused. And I'm sleeping so much better since I started taking ESS-60 back in November. ESS-60 is the consumable form of C60, the miracle molecule discovered by Nobel Prize winning chemists in the 1990s. ESS-60 is a mega antioxidant, 172 times more powerful than vitamin C. Check out the Paris study, a peer-reviewed scientific study online, where ESS-60 suspended in olive oil was fed to rats. The rats fed ESS-60 lived almost twice their normal lifespan. I can't sit here and tell you I'm gonna live to be 112, but I'm 56 and I haven't felt this youthful, energized and pain-free since I was in my 20s. ESS-60 from C60 Evo. If you want to discover the benefits of this amazing miracle molecule for yourself, go to the episode notes for this podcast and click on the link for c60evo.com. And don't forget to use the code RS1SPEC when ordering and you'll receive an additional 5% off. ESS-60, the miracle molecule from C60 Evo. It's changed my life. Discover what it can do for you. This product has not been evaluated by the FDA and is not intended to cure, diagnose, or cure. If you have a medical concern, please consult your healthcare provider. Coming up next time, the emerging science of magnetobiology and the possible connection between 5G, radio electrical waves, and viruses. 5G is perfectly fine working on DSL. You have no radiation issues. So if we wanted to have a good functional country, we'd be installing DSL lines instead of cell towers, and we dancer wouldn't be putting 42,000 Starlink 5G satellites in orbit that are going to cloud our planet with space junk for the next two or 300 years. It's completely absurd. Until then, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now. 
new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant petting. 